Good morning. Super Bowl Sunday, right? You may know who won last year's Super Bowl. It's probably not a really good question. <laughs> it's Patriots. <laughs> ten years ago, can anybody name a decade ago who Super Bowl who won Super Bowl ten years ago? Ain't it amazing how quick we forget? You know, probably New England. New England was probably playing for it. Tom Brady was probably in his eighth year. Uh, Fuel heading downstairs. You're middle school to the ninth grade. Head downstairs right now with Amanda. Wave Amanda. That's her waving right now. Not you, Roy. Oh, Roy's waving too. Uh, sweet. Uh, Larry Bonham had a birthday this week. Larry, I hope you had a wonderful birthday week. Um, Larry tries to keep it off social media because he don't want everybody. But I get that. That's cool. Respect that. Uh, but uh, we wish you a happy birthday, Larry, uh, from Living Faith Church. Uh, we get to our age. I like to celebrate the whole month, right? I don't think a day does it justice. We'll celebrate the whole year. It's uh, good stuff. Well, I pray you uh, have had a great week. Um, we were in California yesterday. Kelly and I and Claire, California, PA. It was just it was just cold there as it was here. Uh, that was my joke this weekend. Where are you at? I'm in California, PA. I'd respond with the text. I'd have PA in the second line of the text. Um, this is gymnastic season, so we're we're kind of all over the place right now uh, with Claire traveling. And uh, fortunately, we haven't missed a Sunday yet. I don't think because they've all been on Saturdays. But uh, uh, Crystal's been traveling around, uh, running Casey everywhere. It's it's just that season. Uh, but we are uh, thankful to be with you this morning um, with heavy hearts. But, but the Bible said and the song said there, forever you are glorified. You know, and I was over in the worship room. I went and met with Lori a little bit uh, before service. And that song, they were singing it when I walked out. And it was in my head when I got over there. And God said, I'm glorified not in, in, in every situation. Right? He's glorified in every situation we, got, we go through. Not for every situation. Not for our circumstance, not because of the, the mountain we're facing or what we're going right in the middle of, but he's glorified just because he's God. And we need to get that down in our spirit. He's glorified just because it's who he is. Whether it's your worst day, best day, best year, worst year, it doesn't matter. He's still glorified. Why? Because he's God. He's God. So I want to glorify him. Why? Because he is God. He's just God. That's all. I can't give you anything else other than that. He's worthy to be glorified. Why? Because he's God. He is God. If you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, turn to James. James chapter 1. Uh, James first chapter. Uh, it's good to see uh, uh, Jimmy Ray and Lori here with us today. They, they hooked us up a few weeks ago at uh, Malachi Dad's had a dinner, or a feast we might add, uh, of spaghetti and meatballs and garlic bread and salad, and, and they waited on us hand and foot. If your salad bowl was empty, so I don't know, I'm not a rabbit, um, so my salad bowl is never empty. Uh, but man, you want another salad? You want more spaghetti? And and then Dave Johnson just comes grabbing our bread bowl. He's in another room. Jimmy, he came in my room and got our bread. We're trying to break bread, and David's taking our bread. It was good bread. But uh, man, so finally, we just gave David the whole bowl. Here, man, let's take the bowl. Here's the whole bowl, David. Take the bowl. It was his birthday. We, we, you know, we had him a really cool cake, big chocolate cake, and he indulged in it and sang to him. Good stuff. But good to have you guys. Uh, they hang out with the Malachi dads just about every Monday night. Uh, but great to have you. All right, if you have your Bible, James chapter 1, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. We could stop right there and preach for a year. We could preach for one year on the, that verse. Couldn't we? I mean, it could be 
know this, my blood brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to post, right? Slow to tweet, slow to Instagram. For the anger of man does not produce righteousness of God. Man, it's tough. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive the meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently in his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself or herself and goes away and once forgets what he was like or what he looks like. And verse uh, 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and per- perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer he will be blessed in his doing. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we, we lift up the word today. We lift up Living Faith Church. We lift up our family, uh, Becky and Daryl as well. We, we extend our, our heartfelt compassion, our heartfelt love to them. Uh, may the word comfort them. May May this church comfort them. May they find their peace in you as we know they do. And Lord, right now, bless this word. Uh, may it challenge us. May it change us. May it encourage us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The title of the message this morning is simply called, Do Something. Do Something. So I, I, as I was building this message, of course, this was snow day message. This was a snow day message is what this was. We had a snow day when I was supposed to preach this message. Um, but as I was, I built this message a couple weeks ago, the Lord gave it to me. Uh, I was thinking about this mirror that we're talking about here in James, how when I'm, you know, so, uh, so I, I asked him, because I, in my head, I was like, you know, I, then I had to walk through the house. So how many of you know how many mirrors you have in your home? I counted them. Everybody's sitting there going, one, two. I'm not talking about pocket stuff. I'm talking about like hanging on something. I have 11 in my house. That's just on our side. That's not your parents' side. I don't know what's on your parents' side. Um, I think there's two, three more on your parents' side. We have 14 mirrors in the Kinder household. 14 mirrors. So everywhere we go, we can look at ourselves, can't we? Right? We get to, oh, hey. Right? We get to fix things. We get to, we, we have all different types of mirrors too, don't we? Not only do we have a lot of mirrors, we have all different types of mirrors. We have full body mirrors. Right? We won't, well, because we want to see our shoes. That's all. We just want to see our shoes. We want to see our shoes. Uh, we have purse mirrors, handle mirrors, cosmetic magnifying mirrors. Right? We have all kinds of mirrors in our life. We may have different types of mirrors and multiple types of mirrors, but, but basically they all have the same common purpose. So we can see ourselves. Right? I don't know anybody has a mirror that they don't use to look at themselves. I mean, think of, think of the, uh, the animation uh, Snow White. That mirror caused a lot of problems. She asked the question, she got the answer. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them walls? Not you. <laughs> right? She didn't like that. The mirror was real. The mirror was very real. But they have a common purpose. We can see ourselves. God's Word acts like a mirror as well. And what we see is who we are. It does not lie. When we look at ourselves in this reflection of God's word, because that's what James here is saying in chapter 1, that God's word is like a mirror. We look at ourselves. We, we view ourselves, and it doesn't lie. It doesn't, it doesn't diffuse it or doesn't change it. What we are is what we are. What we see is what we see. 
Do not merely listen to the words, what it says in 25, and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. It's goofy, right? Some of you think, oh, I know what I look like. I know what hair was out of place, right? When I look at that mirror, I know what's going on. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Do something. Do something. Examination. It's the main purpose of having a mirror. Think about it. You check yourself out. You make sure that there's nothing stuck in your teeth. Right? Kelly uses me when we don't have a mirror. Anything in my teeth? No. You sure? I'm telling you, there's nothing in your teeth. It's like I'm going to lie to her. It's right there. No, I'm kidding. That's why. We, we, we don't. Make sure your hair is all correct everywhere. Clothes look right. How many of you give yourselves a thumbs up in the mirror, right? When you look so good. Right? You give yourself the Fonzie. Hey. Right? Maybe you just point at this guy, right? You feel good about yourself. Why? Because everything looks right in the mirror. The mirror is reflecting you. It reflects you. Some people just give the casual glance. Maybe it's just a guy thing, right? Or maybe most guys really don't spend a whole lot of time in front of the mirror. I used to look in the mirror to do my hair in the morning, but some people, I, mean, I don't need that anymore. I mean, when I was growing up, I had a lot of hair. I mean, I've probably pulled pictures up and show you, but you wouldn't believe it. But I remember I, every morning I washed my hair, and I, would, I, t- I had to bow dry it. Now I towel dry it. Now I don't even have to towel dry it. I'm going to shake it. I just tilt like this, Junior, all this, all the water falls off. It goes to that side. Um, but we, we, we take casual glances, and we look at ourselves briefly. Some people need to spend a ton of time in front of a mirror. You know some of those? What are you doing? I'm fixing myself. Hour and a half later, they're still fixing themselves, right? Uh, repeatedly, even in front of a mirror to get everything just right. What we know about mirrors are this. They do not lie, do they? Mirrors don't lie. What you see is the reality. It's what you see is reality. It it reflects exactly as you are. Not as you want to be. Not as you hope to be. Not as you dream to be. But who you are right now. That's what a mirror gives you. In the natural. You look at it. That's you. You have this plan to lose 20 pounds. But you know what? The reality is that what you see right at that moment, that's you. That's who you are at that moment. That's what a mirror does. If we really want to use the mirror correctly, we can't just use a little small compact mirror either, can we? I don't know how you ladies do that. Y'all pop that thing out and you go. All I see is my eyeball. That's all I see. I don't know how to, I don't know how to get that angle right. All I see is the eyeball when I pull that little thing out. Sometimes we treat God, God's word like the casual glance, don't we? We're that guy, oh, yeah, it looks good, I'm out. Right, we teach the word of God like it's a casual glance. And it distract, it drastically affects our spiritual look, doesn't it? When we just take a quick peek at what the word of God says. A casual look into God's word is like using a little compact mirror. You use it, you see if your mascara is smeared or if there's a booger hanging out of your nose. But it doesn't give you a big detailed picture of everything else, does it? That's all that little casual glance is going to give you. You're going to see the highlights, but you ain't going to see the total picture. And that's what so many of us do with the Word of God. We just take a quick casual glance. Oh, I look good. I'm good. Yay. Right? 
We give the Fonzie. I'm good. Yeah, this guy. We're happy about that. In a world that is always waiting, I believe the Christian church should always be doing. We always wait for the right time or the right place or the right setting. With that outlook, we will always be waiting. Now, some of you will get biblical with me right now. Oh, but preacher man, the Bible says, the Bible says those who wait upon the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. Amen. Right? I'm just waiting on God. Preach, preacher man. You shout down the world with that verse. But I didn't say the whole verse, did I? All I told you is, all we know is those who wait upon the Lord. There's more to that verse. There's more to that verse. And that's all they know. Question without looking or searching in your Bible app. Can you tell me right now what book of the Bible that verse is even in? Mark knows. Anybody else? You can mouth it. I can read lips. Anybody else know? Anybody else? Raise your hand if you know. All right. Just raise your hand if you know where, what book it is. You don't have to tell me. Raise your hand. All right. Two out of 100. That's good. It's good stats right there. 2%, folks. All right. So we'll take the next step. So it's the book of Isaiah. It's in Isaiah. Maybe, maybe you knew what book it is. Can you tell me what chapter that verse is found in? I've given you Isaiah. We've given that. Does anybody even know what verse, what chapter it is? Mark knows where it's at. Does anybody else? It should be on your wall at home. Somebody's probably got it. Mama bought it for you. Mama had it hanging on the wall. Anybody know? It's chapter 41. Isaiah 41. But, man, we quote it all the time. Those who wait upon the Lord. Woo! That's all we say. I'm here to wait. That's, what, that's our mentality. The church as a whole is quoting that portion of a verse. They don't even know where it is. They don't know where it resides. Anybody know what verse it is? Is that Isaiah chapter 41? Can you make tell me what verse? Kelly knows. Huh? It's 10. Verse 10. Isaiah 41, 10. Yet we quote it all the time, don't we? Isaiah 41, 10 says, For those who wait up on the Lord. doesn't say those who wait on the Lord. Those who wait up on the Lord is what King Jamie says. That's what King Jimmy says. Uh, those who wait up on the Lord. It's, in other words, it's an action. It's not, it's not wait like build a campfire, grill some hot dogs. Because I'm telling you, if that's the wait you're doing, you better bring a big cooler worth of food. Because you're going to be waiting a while. The Bible here says that we're supposed to wait upon the Lord. We're supposed to serve. We're supposed to be actually doing something. Why? Because that's what Isaiah 41 says. But we misconstrue that verse. All the time. Well, I'm just supposed to wait on the Lord. No. Wait means do. We're supposed to do something for the Lord. I've always found it amazing. We always find that verse for our situation, don't we? We find that verse for the situation we're going through. We know parts of the verse, but don't even know where to find the verse. Not the book, not the chapter. Just the Bible says. What about this one? An eye for an eye. Right? We like that one, don't we? I'm going you eye for an eye, man. I'm coming after your eyeball. Right? What about this one? Judge to be not judged. Don't you judge me. No, that's not. That actually says, judge to be not judged. For the same measure you judge, that's how you're going to be judged. That's actually what it says. It doesn't say, I can't judge you, or the Word of God can't judge you. It just says, if you're going to judge somebody, be really careful, because they can judge you the same basis. Right? But we say that, don't you judge me. You can't judge me. Judge me, I'll judge Don. Shame on you, John. Right? Won't we grab that little verse? We grab the word of God. We grab that. See, when we do that, what are we? We're just hearers. We're just hearing what we want to hear, small fragments of information, and not doers. 
Doers actually know what that whole verse says. Doers doesn't have a favorite verse to dispel all evils, right? Waiting on the Lord. No, wait up on the Lord. Serve the Lord. Do something for the Lord. But they that wait upon the Lord, this is one of like many others taken out of context and even misquoted. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and faint not. Now some of you just thought to yourself, that's why I run. That's why I'm weary. Because I'm not waiting on the Lord. You run, you physically run. If you're weary, it's because you probably don't run enough. It's this guy, right? This guy too. The verse is not sitting on a rocking chair and on the front porch. This weight is to serve and work for the Lord. You can't mount up with eagle wings and sitting in a rocker. You can't run sitting on the porch. You can't walk laying on the couch, right? That's what this verse is talking about. It's talking about doing something. And that's what we're talking about this morning. We want to do something in 2019. We want to do something in 2019. The first three services of 2019, uh, Pastor Mark answered the question of why. And then he gave us the what. We answered the question of what. Last week, Kevin told us that our quest for perfection will never be obtained in our own selves. Our only perfection we'll find ourselves is in Christ Jesus. So we've eliminated, we've eliminated the confusion that we can do this on our own. We've eliminated the confusion of the why or the what. We've got all the answers now. We know what to do. Now it's time to do something. It's time to do something with what we're hearing. We can't just be a hearer. We need to be doers. And I love verse 25. We quote those scriptures all the time. But verse 25 says that we go, he blesses those that do. He blesses those that do something. And I want to be a do-somethinger. That don't sound right, but it sounds good in Boone County speak. I want to be doing something for the kingdom of God. I want to make a difference. How many of you are standing on the promises of God? All right. You know what? We're not so, if you're standing on the promises, you shouldn't be setting in the premises. All right. We like that. Oh, I'm standing on the promises of God. We like that. Well, if you're standing on the promises, you shouldn't be setting in the premises. You should be out there doing something. I'm not saying we don't come in here on church. That, and I'm not giving you a reason not to come next Sunday. Well, Pastor Don said, I'm standing on the promises. I've got to be doing something. I can't be going to church. No, that's not what I'm implying. We come in here to get fed. We come in here to get restored. We come in here to get refreshed. We come in here to get energized. And then we leave here and we go out there and do something. We go out there and do something. We are, we are to be doing something. Last week we were in Cleveland for a gymnastics meet. Um, we were in Geneva, Ohio, which is in between Erie and Cleveland. And we get up there, and University of Charleston's men's track team was at the same hotel we were at. Uh, there was this humongous track meet, college track meet. There was a gymnastics meet. There was a swim meet. And there were soccer games all going on in this great big place called the Spire Center. And you wouldn't even know anybody was even there. That's how It's an Olympic training center. It's amazing. Huge. We're sitting there at the hotel, and it's breakfast time. We're at the Hampton. We get the free breakfast, right, and go down. And I had some eggs, and the sausage and gravy wasn't very sausage so eh. I was like, I want a bagel. I want to pass this up and get me a bagel. So I walked over to the, uh, get a bagel, and I walked back, and there was this UC athlete standing there in front of the toaster. He was on his phone, just standing in front of the toaster, looking at I don't know if he's playing a game. He was tweeting, snapping. I don't know what he was doing, but he was doing something. And I'm kind of looking at him. I get my bagel. I cut it in half. It's one of those mobile uh, toasters. You know, you just put it in top, and it slides all the way through and pops out the bottom. And I, I take my bagel, and I kind of have to get in front of him, just put my bagel in the slot. And he looks at me. I look at him. My bagel pops out. Oh, that's how that works. 
And I grabbed my bagel and I got my butter and I went to the table and I took everything in me not to laugh. I got to the table and I started laughing. Kelly said, what? And I told her a story and she starts laughing and Claire starts laughing. And we laugh at that, but the reality is that's how a lot of us are with God. That's how a lot of us are with the Word of God. We stand in front of it. Somebody comes and, oh, that's how that works. Huh? That's how it works. You got to hear it, and then you do something. The Word goes forth. It challenges us. It encourages us. It exhorts us. It edifies us. And then it requires us to do something. That's how that works. For the record, he never got his toast. He, after I did that, he just went and sat down. I don't know if he was too embarrassed to toast anything at that moment. Maybe he really didn't want toast. Uh, maybe he thought it was But you know what? It doesn't automatically. If you want to get something out of life, you have to do something. You have to do something. It's not optional. You can't just stand in front of a toaster expecting toast to come out unless you put some bread in the toaster, right? The same is true in our spiritual lives. You're not, unless you put something in, you're not going to get something out. It doesn't happen that way. And then some of you are shocked and surprised. You go, that's how that works. The Bible says, cast all my cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for me. That's why I do that. That's how that works. That's how that works. But it's time we do something. Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And when he returned to Capernaum, this is Jesus, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they, lay, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. I love this story. Um, I've shared the story before. We've, we've preached on it. Pastor Mark's preached on it. I've preached on it. Everybody's preached on it. It's, a great, it's an amazing story. Um, but a couple things have just taken place in Mark chapter 1. Uh, the gospel of Mark doesn't, it just dives right in, right? It doesn't give us the birth. It doesn't, it just comes right in. Man, Jesus is getting baptized. Next thing you know, he's in the wilderness. Uh, next thing you know, he's healing people. Uh, if you go on, I think it's in Luke's gospel in the same story. You realize that Peter's mother-in-law was healed. Uh, time frame at the beginning of the ministry there was a lot of things going on in mark chapter one and in mark chapter two the bible says jesus finally comes home there's a lot been going on he's got baptized been in the wilderness for 40 days he's been tempted he's been healing people all over the area and he comes home in mark chapter two not his home but he comes to somebody else's home he comes back uh, to capernaum and there he is and 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 he's in this house and he's in this place and the bible says he's in there preaching the word to them and there's so many people wanting to come why because this 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 movement of christ is spreading this news of Jesus is, is picking up steam. We read in Acts chapter 5 a couple weeks ago uh, on Wednesday night. We, we talked on obedience takes boldness. And we, in Acts chapter 5, when, when they were thrown in prison, uh, Peter and those uh, disciples, uh, they were, the angel came and released them. And then they found him preaching again in the synagogue. And that one teacher, the Sadducees, said, hey, you know what? This guy, many years ago, he rose up and it fizzled out. And then someone else rose up, and it fizzled out. And we're better off just to leave these people alone, because if it's of God, it'll succeed. If it's not, it won't. I mean, you know it's succeeded. It's succeeding. And that's what's happening here in Mark chapter 2. These people are coming to hear Jesus. And what's amazing about this story is we find this, this, these four men. You've heard them called cock carriers. You've heard them called uh, whatever you want to call them. I just call them four crazy guys for Jesus is what I like to call them. They just, want to, they just want to help their friend. They want to get him to Jesus. Why? Because he needs Jesus. He needs a touch in his life. So right out of the gate, Jesus is doing what he does in Mark chapter 2. And there's a buzz going around the city. 
and there's excitement everywhere, and people want to get to where Jesus is. The Bible says the house is full, so full you can't even get near the door. Standing room only crowd. I don't know how big the house was, but you couldn't get anybody else inside. Couldn't get anybody else inside. A couple things I want to point out about the story real quick. One, the four friends uh, teaches so much what I want to examine the view from their perspective on this amazing story. First key is point out they were his friends. You don't have to be some great spiritual leader, some great evangelist to help people or to do something for the kingdom of God. You can just be somebody's friend and realize they need help and you can do something. You can do something. I don't have to have some call in my life to do something to help somebody. They were sick and tired of seeing their friends sick and tired. They had heard the stories of this man named Jesus, this preacher, this miracle worker from Nazareth, and concluded, let's do something about this, the situation. Why'd they do that? Because they could. Think about that. Sometimes we just need to do something. Why? Because we can. Lord, you didn't have to bake David a cake, but you did. Why? Because you could. Right? We don't, we don't have to do some things in life, but you know why we do, Junior? Because we can. We can do it. So I'm going to do it. I don't need a special calling in my life or a special anointing. Somebody don't have to lay hands on me and get some great revelation of God to help people or to do something for the kingdom of God. It's not required. Just got to do something. <coughs> there are two types of friends in this world. Uh, one that would make you a better person. The others that would drag you down, right? Point blank. Simply put, good friends and bad friends. The Bible talks about this in the book of Proverbs. Good friend in Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. That's why we need good friends. Uh, 20, uh, Proverbs uh, 12, 26 talks about a bad friend. The righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. They harm us. Be careful what you surround yourself with. So let's look at these four guys in this story real quick. Uh, they were good friends of this man. These friends in the story are amazing. They are determined to get their friend help no matter what, what the cost. Think about the role of the friends in our lives that we have even here at Living Faith Church. Uh, People in the stands that cheer for us, that cheer us on. And that's who we are right now for Becky and Daryl. We are their friends in this tough time. We're in the stands. We're cheering for them. Some of us are carrying the cot. Some of us are helping. Why? Because we can't. Don't need a special calling. Don't need some great anointing to do that. Why do I do it? Because I can. I have the ability to. Therefore, I will. Therefore, I'm going to do something. I want to do something. But these four guys are really good friends. And, and their faith, the Bible here tells us their faith actually brought healing to this man. Their faith. I don't know about you, but I want to surround myself with people where their faith can bring me healing. Their faith. Not my faith. The people I surround myself with. Their faith brings me healing. I want people like that in my life. I want people that, that want to pick me up when I can't pick myself up. Not kick me while I'm down, but to pick me up when I need picked up. To carry me when I can't be carried. To lift me when I can't be lifted. Why? Because you know what? I may be doing some lifting soon too. We reciprocate that. What do they call it? Pay it forward? No, they say it. Pay it forward. No, it's, I say do something. Just do something. But these four guys were amazing. So this week I decided to name these five guys. I like giving names to stories when no one has mentioned the Bible. Mike is the paralyzed one. We'll call him Mike. He needs a miracle. Charlie, he's the one, the idea to come and get Mike to Jesus. Let's get Mike to Jesus. Larry, Larry is the one sold on the idea. Once Charlie presented the idea, his genuine love for others felt that this was no question. Let's do this moment. Let's do something to help 
Mike. Jimmy was the one who started the process. He found a cot to carry Mike on. He got tools for a plan B moment. Jackson, uh, Jimmy is the type of guy that you just point where we're going that way, and he takes off. We all need somebody in our lives like that, don't we? We need somebody to say, we're going that way, and they're gone. They're gone. We need somebody like that. David was the one who was constant one in the entire process. He was determined to help Mike once Charlie initiates the idea. By the time Charlie, Larry, Jimmy, and David arrive with Mike, the house is full. The crowd is overflowing. There's people sitting in the windowsills. There, there's people just trying to peek. They just got, a, they got an eyeball look, man. Just, they're just trying to hear and see all they can of this Jesus. <laughs> they're trying to get in there and, and just get all they can. And they walk up, and they had this great plan to get, to get Mike to Jesus. And all of a sudden, they find out they can't get in. And part of them probably says, you know what, let's just wait. Let's just wait till it's over. Let's wait till the crowd thins out. Let's wait till people go away, and then we'll get Mike in front of Jesus. I'd probably done that. I'd have been fine with that. We just sat outside and waited. I'd have been fine with that idea. But you know what? These four guys didn't think like that. They're like, hey, man, uh, it's, we're going to do something. We brought Mike this far. We're going to do something. Well, it was the something. They ripped the roof off the house. They ripped the roof off. It wasn't their house. It wasn't even their place. Can you imagine? Dude, what are you doing? I mean, they had a Nike moment, man. They just did it to that house. They ripped the roof off the house. Why? To get Mike to Jesus. They wanted to do something, and they did. Not only they, they did something, man, they changed that guy's life forever. <coughs> David said, let's wait it out. The crowd's too big. Charlie said, hand me a shovel. I'm going to start digging. That's what I find so amazing about this is they just didn't come with a cot. They came with tools just in case. They had a ladder just in case. They had a plan B. They didn't know why, but they had a plan B. They were going to do something, no matter what. They were going to do something. They had to act. Let's think about Jimmy for a moment. The dude pulls a Nike on that house. Just do it. While others debated, he was already on the roof. Time to make a way where there seems to be no way. Right? That's exactly what they did. Maybe that's where that song came from. I don't know. Maybe that's where it came from. Jimmy's up there digging and digging and digging. Larry's probably saying, we are so much trouble. So much trouble. And now the dirt's falling on everyone in the house. It's falling on the teachers on the front row. It's even falling on Jesus himself. It's falling on him. That's one way to get his attention, isn't it? <laughs> we'll start caving in, right? Amazing thing about this story, when, G when we see saw Jesus saw them, he only saw their faith. He didn't see the dirt. He didn't see the hole in the roof. All he saw was their faith. That's all he saw. He saw some crazy, audacious faith. And then he looks at Mike. Mike's being lowered down. I mean, can you imagine what in the room? I mean, Jesus is right in the middle of a, 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 a shout-down sermon. All of a sudden, this guy is just lowered down right in front of him. The rest of the room was startled, and Jesus was just smiling. Bet he had a big smile on his face. Looked up, winked at him. Said, your faith, their faith has healed you. Arise. Their faith has healed you. They had to do something. They had 
to do something. These four friends could have easily said, it's too heavy, my feet hurt, it's too far of a walk. There's too many people, I can't carry them up the roof. I don't want to tear the roof off. I probably would have said that. I don't have the strength or the patience to lower them down, but they did not. They did quite the opposite. They did something. They chose to do something. I don't know about you today, but that's the kind of friends I want in my life. I want people in my life that will do something, that will help me, that will help people, that will encourage people, will exhort people. Pick me up and carry me when I'm able. These guys determined to do something. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 31. I'm not reading all the verses. Um, we'll get to the uh, other verses here shortly. So we'll, this is the story of the prodigal son. Uh, we, we know the story of the prodigal son. The Bible says that, that one day he woke up and he wanted half of everything was his. He wanted half of everything that he owned. Was, was entitled to him. He went to his dad and said, hey, I want what's mine. I want what's mine. I'm leaving. I'm out. So his dad said, all right. He gave it to him. So here's what we know about the prodigal son. Two sons. One wanted his hair and it's now. Father divided the property evenly. A few days later, he leaves home, spends it all on a riotous living. A little girl was asked in Sunday school during the teaching of the prodigal son, what's riotous living mean? She answered quickly, spending all your money on bubble gum. <laughs> to her, righteous living was a lot of gum, right? A lot of bubble gum. For a time, for, let me say this, for a time, he has money, he has friends, and he has fun. Right? That's what we learned through this story. But the, but the money goes away, and the Bible says sin has a pleasure for a season. Isn't it what it tells us? Sin has a pleasure for a season. Now he is desperate, he's starving, he's miserable. His job is now to feed pigs. He's feeding pigs. And he's so hungry, he's so poor, he's so desolate that he's actually craving what he's giving the pigs. That wasn't his even to eat. He was feeding the hogs. And he's like, I can just have those husks. I'll be fine. He was that desperate. He was in that place. Let's go pull those up, Seal, verses 17 through 20. But when he came to himself, his prodigal son, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran, embraced, and kissed him. The prodigal son had to do something, didn't he? He found himself in a desperate, hopeless situation. He had to do something. He had to have a spiritual awakening, a spiritual moment where the light came on. You know what? Uh, I messed up. I messed up. Not every do something is tearing a roof off a house. Sometimes a do something is we find ourselves where we're not supposed to be. We find ourselves in a place or a situation or a series of moments in our lives that have led us to a point that's a dead end. Guess what? got to be like the prodigal son. We have to do something. The Bible says he got up. He made a choice. He did something. He got up, and he went back to his father. He chose to do something, to do something. And, and, and this, this do something isn't always about audacious faith. Sometimes it's about out of desperation. Sometimes we do something out of desperation. Let me say this. The forgiveness will never come until you return to the father. It will never return. Until you turn to the Father. The pig pen created a moment where the son realized he had to do something. He either could stay where he was or he could do something to get out of the situation that he created. You know, they say this about situations. Sometimes we create them and we have to realize we created them. And the only way to get out of them is to realize we did this. 
Can't blame everybody else. It's us. We made this. We made this bed. We made this mess. The good news is we can get up and do something. The good news is we can get up and do something. The good news is we can return to the Father. Okay? It's like that toaster, right, in, in Cleveland? That's how that works. <laughs> yeah. That's how that works. When you're not where you need to be, you do something. You get up. You go back to the Father. I'm sure we can all think of times where our current situation has caused us to do something. To get out of our current state, we do this with dieting and exercise for the physical side of us. We must also take the same approach and efforts on our spiritual side as well. On our spiritual side as well. John chapter 6 verse 9. There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, what the play said back in the day. Uh, but what are they for so many? Man. So this one I have is simply titled Adults Eat Free. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if we went to uh, lunch today and it said Adults Eat Free? For every kid meal purchase, five adults eat free. Gosh, I'd go there every Sunday. I'd purchase the kid's meal and I'd eat for free. But that's what we have here in this story in John chapter 6. We have a Jesus teaching on a mountainside. 5,000 men, the Bible tells us. Women weren't even counting at that time. Don't take that personally. It's not a mean. It's not a slap. It's how it was. There easily could have been uh, one woman for every man and two kids for every person. Could easily have been 20, 15, 20,000 people there. But all we know is there's 5,000 men. And it was late in the day. It was during the Passover season. And, and Jesus is just teaching. Finally, he looks up and says, hey, guys, let's feed them. Let's feed these people. Of course, the disciples go into this quandary. Hey, that, that's going to happen. There's, where are we going to go? We don't have enough money. We don't have enough food. <laughs> and then in verse 9, they say, hey, there's this little kid. He's got five loaves of bread and two small fish. And he wants to bring it to you, Jesus, to feed these people. Pretty amazing. What I find amazing about it, there's only one smart person in a whole group of people. That little boy's don't want to pack a lunch. Right? I read that last week and I was like, he's the only guy. He's the only person who prepared. There's something to be said for preparation, right? This, this kid was good. I mean, the, he, he, hey, you know what? He was good. The rest of them were starving dead, stomach ground. He's sitting there, I got all I need. He was prepared, but you know what's really cool about this story? As even a small child, the Bible says childlike faith, faith is a child. He heard the rumblings. He saw the, the concerns. I don't know what he heard exactly. But there was something in him. So he picked up his little bag lunch. And he walked up to a disciple and said, all I've got. But I want to do something. This is all I've got. But I'm going to do something. So could you get this to Jesus? We'll see how this works now. All right. That's all i got. Here you go. The little kid chose to do something. He chose to put his action. He just sat there and ate his fish and ate his bread and it'd been fine. He said, you know what? I'm going to give all I have. Why? Because I can do something. You can do something, church. I'll give you three illustrations this morning. Four crazy friends who ripped the roof off a house to get their friend to Jesus Christ. A prodigal son who squandered everything he had, found himself in a place he never wanted to be in. But there he was anyway. And this little boy on a mountainside, the only smart person in the whole bunch. His mom may not even been there, but she's like, Johnny, you know you got to pack your lunch. 
You know, he's probably kicking. I don't want to park my lunch. Mom, everybody's just going to follow Jesus. We ain't going to be out there all night. He was. So he packed his lunch. For all I know, he carried that lunch around all day mad and angry. I don't care. I just carrying a bag. I got a bag. But when the moment presented itself, he chose to do something. Light came on, right? I'm going to do something. I'm going to give what I have to Jesus and see what he can do with what I have. Ain't that amazing? He still does that today, folks. We bring to him everything we have, which isn't very much, and he's going to do something with what we have, what we present. To effectively do something, you have to buy in, don't you? This, this, my, my statement for 2019 for myself, and uh, it's simply, my have to needs to change to a get to. My have to needs to change to a get to. You hear it all the time, well, I have to go to church today. I have to sing a song of worship. I have to play drums. I have to play guitar. I have to lead worship. I have to preach. I have to go to church. I have to cook. I have to clean. When in reality, it should be I get to go to church. I get to worship. I get to clean. I have to do kids on Wednesday. No, it should be I I get to do kids on Wednesday. I get to. When your have to becomes a get to, your whole outlook changes, doesn't it? And I want my have-tos to turn into get-tos. And to do that, when, that, when I get to a get-to moment, guess what? I want to start doing something for the kingdom of God. I want to start doing something here at Living Faith Church. I want to start doing something to impact people's lives. Why? Because I can. Because I can. I'm not the most talented person. I'm not the most gifted person. But I can. I can walk. I can talk. You missed a really good spot to say amen. Uh, <laughs> Right, But I can. I can do something. Why? Because I can. When you come up on a roadblock, take a detour. There's going to be obstacles along the way. The four guys going to get to Jesus found a roadblock. They found an obstacle. The house is a big obstacle. How many of you qualify the house being an obstacle? They took a detour. They ripped the roof off so they could get their friend to Jesus. They chose to do something. The prodigal son found himself in the pig pen. How many of you know the pig pen was an obstacle? But the Bible says he came to himself and he chose to do something. He chose to return to the Father. He chose to do something. And then we find that little boy. The only guy had lunch. The only person prepared. Could have aided himself. He said, you know what? I'm going to bring it to Jesus. I'm going to do something what I have. It's not much. It's all I've got. I'm going to give it to you. And I think that's what we need more than anything. We're all like that little boy. We think, I just got a little lunchbox. All I got, God. It's all I got. It's not much. You know what? Little is much when God's in it, right? Little is much. What's amazing about this story is the Bible says they put it in a basket, and then they split it up, and then they started passing it around. The disciples came back, and they had 12 basketfuls of food. It went from a little brown bag of Kroger from Kroger to 12 basketfuls of leftovers. I don't, I'd like to visualize how that looked. It's like, it's like hey, it's a little bit of bread. They pass it out, and they turn around, and there's more bread. They give it a little bit of fish. They look back down, there's more fish. It was just like it's reciprocating. It was reproducing itself in those baskets. All because somebody chose to do something. So I challenge you, 2019, it's supposed to be a January message, man, Super Bowl Sunday message. It's time to do something. It's time to do something. It's time to quit sitting on the sidelines, folding our hands, waiting upon the Lord. Hallelujah. It's time to start serving God. It's time to start 
doing something. Today we have the opportunity to do something. Maybe you will find yourself alone and isolated, not quite in the pig pen, but not far from it. Today presents a challenge to change. It's time to do something. Maybe you find, maybe you are the friend that starts the movement to tear off the roof to get someone to Jesus, or maybe even yourself needs to get to Jesus. It's time to do something. Or maybe you have the one thing that can help Jesus impact others' lives. A talent, a skill set, and it's up to you to do something. Maybe, it just, maybe it's just five loaves of bread and two small fish. But you know what? It's all Jesus needs. I may not know what you need to do, but you do. Change will never happen until we do something. We must do something because nothing isn't working, is it? Doing nothing isn't working out real well. May bow their heads and close their eyes. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for this challenge to do something. This challenge to actively live out our faith on a daily basis. So Lord, right now, speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. As we gaze upon this mirror of your word, may we truly see who we are. And more importantly, may we truly see what you want us to do. We don't want to just be hearers only. We want to be hearers and doers. Because James chapter 125 says that when we are that, Lord, we're blessed in what we do. So, Lord, may we not only hear the word of God, may we do it. And when we do that, we're blessed because of it. In Jesus' name.